We're doing it live. Right, <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast. We are your favorite horror obsessed stoner queens. We discuss and dismember the good, the bad, and the queer in our favorite horror media. I am your co host, Nick. I am your other co host, Raymond. And welcome to technically, I guess you would call this our first episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely call it our first like official episode because the first mm-hmm. episode was just like a getting to know us. Yeah, you. Our first episode was technically technically our speed dating round, and this one is going to be our first like dissection and dismemberment of our yeah uh, of our favorite stuff. Uh, well, first things first. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody! Happy V Day, everybody! <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I feel like the people who don't have somebody to celebrate it with probably aren't happy about it, but. You get the point. I mean, love is love. Love yourself. Have you seen that video of that guy in New York? Um, he's like in his underwear and he's got a sign that says love yourself. And I love him because he's getting down to whatever music's in his head. And he's just going. Accept yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. Respect yourself. <laughs> love yourself. I freaking no. love that guy. And that's what I, I think of for some reason every time for Valentine's Day. No, I I do not recall. The only n- naked person in New York I recall is a naked cowboy. Do you remember he used to dance in Times Square in like tidy whities He was with <laughs> a cowboy hat and he used to play guitar. And, and he was kind of hot, take- right? Yeah, he was beefy. He had like oh, he had he a nice beefy. body. I'm definitely down. But yeah, that's our, for me, that's my new modern day Cupid. Is that guy in New York? <laughs> Love yourself. <laughs> modern day Cupid. Oh. Uh, before we get to our, I guess, before we get to our main plot, before we get to our main segment, I'll call it that. Before we get to our main segment today, <laughs> uh, we're going to do some quick horror updates. We're still trying to figure out what to call this, these updates. If anybody has any ideas, please comment whatever you'd like uh so far the only thing that i have up in my head is that i want like some static and just like hello i'm gail weathers welcome to the halloween horror update and then i want that so let's see if i can do that (laughs) and i want that like world globe sound (laughs) (laughs) yes but for our halloween horror update the biggest things going on is that i mean it's technically february we're recording this in january we're trying to be ahead of the curve and we're getting ready for a new slate of films getting ready to be released this year hopefully last year a lot of things got jumbled so some of the stuff we were supposed to get last year we're getting this year uh this movie i'm excited for it just recently got moved up by two months uh its new premiere is going to be on march 26 of 2021 it's going to be godzilla versus kong Uh, i am excited for this movie i don't know how you feel about those movies um i didn't i didn't watch any of the king kong movies <laughs> like not even the peter jackson reboot you didn't even um, watch the peter jackson one no um but you love just, the universal ride thing it's okay i don't love it <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know you know me with like big over-the-top actiony cgi heavy big budget movies it kind of like it turns me off you know like yes we you know we were the biggest and the best at this and i was like yeah were you though i don't know anyways um (laughs) i didn't watch any of the other ones but 
Um, I mean, I would highly suggest at least the last Godzilla movie. So there's technically two movies you need to watch to watch this one, Kong Skull Island, which is on HBO Max. Um, I'm going to put a little ding right there for that shit. (laughs) Uh, And then Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I think you should technically there's like two. There's Godzilla and then Godzilla King of the Monsters. Just watch Godzilla King of the Monsters. You're not really missing much. But it's directed by Michael Doherty, who did Trick or Treat. Mm -hmm. I I know that. I just even he he, wow words. Even Mm -hmm. him directing it wasn't enough to get me to go watch it. I love big budget monster movies. I think they're so fun. No, I love it too, but I don't know. Uh, and then the director is going to be Adam Wingard, who looks like he did parts of VHS, VHS 2. Oh, and <gasps> he also did The Ghost, Your Next. I mean, The Ghost, yes. The Guest. My apologies. The Guest, Your Next, and The New Blair Witch, which I did not watch. I, I, I did not watch um, Blair Witch, but I did watch Your Next. And I did watch I VHS and VHS 2. And I, I love all three of those. So... I mean, you might be able to sway my opinion and get me to go watch it because um, those are some pretty strong uh, IMDb credits. Exactly. But the big hoopla about it right now, and I'm surprised that I got moved up, was that um, I think it's Legendary who's behind it. Got a big scuffle with, uh, who did it? Warner Brothers? Is it Warner Brothers who owns or is part of HBO Max? Because King Kong or versus Godzilla or Visa Versa is going to be uploaded on HBO Max the same day that it goes to theaters with a whole bunch of other stuff that's slated as well. And mm-hmm. a lot of production companies are really pissed off about it. Yeah, I I heard about the uproar. I I understand and I feel for it. Like, I understand why they're upset, but at the same time, like, this is a different time we're living in right now. I don't see I movie theaters opening up anytime soon. So, like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with all these movies that are just ready to be released? Are you just going to shelve them until you're ready for people to get their shit together? Or are you going to, like, release it? <laughs> well, I kind of feel like it's a catch-22 because with COVID still being very rampant, you got to have, you can't have stuff ready to go to be filmed because you can't film it everything's shut down so what are you going to do with all this stuff i also get that like did you read that interview with christopher nolan where christopher nolan was super pissed off because of tenant and he didn't want it released on digital media he wanted everyone to go to the theaters to see it because you know christopher nolan who i believe kind of is in the same lines of um james cameron who would like to suck mm-hmm. their own dick. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very much like, they love their stuff. They think they're the best at their shit, which they pretty much are, but still, calm down, girl. Uh, but he was complaining that like the people who work on these movies, like the cast and crew and the production are going to really take a hit from all this, that they're not going to be able to get this in theaters because they get back pay. And I don't ever remember that being a thing working on big productions or just like any productions. You don't get back pay like that when you're production. Maybe if you're a cast and you get some like residual rights, but you don't get yeah. anything for production. Not that I'm aware of I, as far as like, crew wise mm-hmm. sure like big name actors producers directors and all that they have they usually have like stipulations in their contracts saying yeah they get some sort of kickback after the money makes its movie back well excuse me after the movie makes its money back mm-hmm. um and it starts like going into actual growth and yeah mm-hmm. usually they get some sort of kickback but as far as like crew goes no i've never like, heard I've of never any heard sort of, of like residuals or anything like that so, and that was like one of his key points. And I was like, that's just bullshit. Like, you don't really care about this crew, do you? Like, does your whole crew get back pay when you release your movies? Because if so, where are the receipts? I want to see the receipts. <laughs> okay, I want to see, girl. I, I don't know. I've never heard of anything like that. But 
yeah, I agree with the whole Christopher Nolan sucking his on dick thing. Like he's he's dope and all, don't get me wrong, he's made some crazy good movies, but um no, no, you're not gonna risk everybody's health just because you want everybody to go see it in the theater. Sorry, Gail. So I'm a, I'm a one for the HBO Max movies because I mean I get to watch my movies from the safety of my fucking house and I already pay for HBO Max, so give it to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm 100 percent down for uh dropping these movies on HBO Max. Give it to me. <laughs> the next on our news update is I have you heard about the Mortal Kombat movie? I'm very mm-hmm. I am so excited for a new Mortal Kombat movie. I am very excited because everybody like I mean the original is notorious for being <laughs> bad but kind of good at the same time. I don't know. I love it. I've loved the game since I was a kid. I'm not a huge gamer, but um you know, video games from my childhood are very nostalgic to me, and this is definitely one of them. So I'm 100% in it for this Mortal Kombat movie. I'll have to send you the link of uh, the photos that they've uh, dropped for this new film. A, it looks pretty good. I'm not going to put my hopes up high. Not that they were pretty high to begin with. It's Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I'm not expecting <laughs> like an Oscar-worthy movie. movie. <laughs> uh, but this one is going to be released April 16th of this year, and then that's also going to be dropped on HBO Max too. So I'm still going to get my hands on it. I'm very excited to see. I have a feeling they're going to go with like this realism, but not realism because you can't. It's Mortal Kombat. But I'm excited to see like this new iteration of these characters. I need a Sonya again in my life. Sonya. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's my go-to character. And Sindel. I'm very excited. I, I, I think I'm just more excited to see like, this is a remake I wouldn't have minded because the majority of the time remakes, which are funny enough for the theme for today's episode, it not all of them are necessary. <laughs> but no. I feel like I'm not going to like vouch and say that this is a necessity, but it's something that I would enjoy. They're not exactly great movies, but you can do something great with them. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they lend themselves, like they give great storyline, they give great environments, they give great characters and costumes and like cool fight scenes. Like I'm not usually like an action-y big, like we just talked about, I'm not a big budget action type of person. When it comes to like, there's a very small niche genre that I can watch in that same genre, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and this is definitely one of them. Like I'm, I'm pretty excited to see this. And to piggyback off of that, did you see the like Mortal Kombat Power Rangers crossover, like short film that's on YouTube? Mortal Kombat Power Ranger crossover? Yes, there's a Mortal Kombat Power Ranger crossover movie. It's like a short on YouTube. I don't know if it ever got, if it's part of something or what. Um, Richard showed it to me not that long ago. It's fucking dope. Um, I'll just send you the links so that way you can link it for people. Um, it's really good. It's really well done. And it's on YouTube of all places. Is that the um, one with, um, oh my God, what's his face from Dawson's Creek? James Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek, is that the one that he's in? Because there's like a gritty Power Ranger YouTube video that I'm aware of that I really like. It's really fucking cool. I think it's the same one. If it's the same one? Well, if, either way, I'll link whatever video it is in the description for this episode so people can go watch it. Because if we're thinking oh, yeah. of the same one, it fucking kicks ass. It's yeah. so cool. I love it <laughs> it's so much. Really good. It's uh, yeah, so good. For anybody awesome. who's a fan of either Mortal Kombat or Power Rangers or both, please go and watch it. I feel like they go hand in hand. Who doesn't, as a kid, wanted to fight shit? I was always like doing backflips and shit in the backyard, pretending I was the Yellow Ranger because it's a, hello. Do you see this wrist? Those at home can't see it, but it's very. You wanted to be Trini so bad. 
so bad. Look at her. Sabertooth Tiger. Next on the updates is theme park stuff, which is kind of, it's really sad to talk about during COVID, mm-hmm. COVID time. Super Nintendo World in Japan just got delayed. We don't know when it's going to be opened back up, but it's due to the fact that the city of Osaka uh, put in a state of emergency and we don't know when it's going to be lifted. Once it's lifted, we're going to open. But right now the February opening date is pushed back. We just don't know when. Yeah, that's pretty shitty because I've seen, you know, the photos and the video footage of the land and it looks amazing. It it's looks ridiculous. Great. It is ridiculous. Um, I can't wait for it to open up here in Hollywood uh, to piggyback off of that. I just watched an update video for um, Universal Studios here in Hollywood. And obviously it's all the theme parks here are still closed. So um, I watch a YouTube account called Theme Park Obsession one of the many YouTube uh, accounts that I could uh, watch. And um, anyways, he was just at a city walk and like checking the parking garage of all places to try and get footage of the park. And he managed to find some of Super Nintendo World and it's coming along nicely. Like it's the almost like all the framework is up for like the show buildings and even they even put up some of like the green hills already. So it's starting to look like Super Nintendo World. For those who haven't seen the pictures, I highly recommend like checking them out because the photos for Super Nintendo World literally look like you're in a video game. It is amazing. Legit. It looks like you just stepped into like Super Mario World. Well, uh, the entrance is so cute. You go through a pipe and it even makes that loop, 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 loop sound. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cute. The attention to detail is amazing. So well, I, know I feel that like that's in the Japan, new thing. You have well, to have attention to detail now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like theme parks like Disney really set the mark and other theme parks kind of have to like meet that standard. And I feel like Universal is really like closely behind them. Uh, But speaking of Disney, they uh, just announced that they are canceling their annual pass program. Um, Disneyland and Disney California Adventure have been closed since March due to the pandemic. So no one has been using their AP, excuse me, nobody has been using their annual passes for the past 10 months. Um, so just recently they announced that they're going to, what, what's the term? Sun, sunset? Sunsetting. <laughs> they're, they're sunsetting. They're, I think it's just a delicate way of setting, saying, hey, this is dead, but the sun will come up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like that's true because you know, like as we discussed off camera or off, off the show, um, Disneyland's not going to let a program that brings in so much steady revenue just like oh my god no not only that the program's been in i didn't realize how old the program is it's Mm -hmm. they've they've had annual passes since like the mid 80s which is crazy to me well i like you said it's a huge portion of their revenue now i'm not saying it's like their majority of their revenue but anyone who lives in socal goes to disneyland at some sort of frequency if you can Mm -hmm. i remember when we did it it was still relatively cheap we bought like a day pass and then we just put like that day pass as a down payment and then we ended up paying like what 10 12 bucks a month for like an annual pass yeah because we didn't get like the crazy top tier but we weren't like the lowest rung either we're kind of in the middle yeah and then there were per there were certain like blackout dates for anyone who has never heard of the annual pass program the essential way that it works is that if you're a socal resident or pretty much anyone then right anybody can become one but i mean if you lived in wisconsin would you really want an annual pass (laughs) i mean this is (laughs) this is very true we're going to disneyland it's gonna be so good (laughs) they're the most smartest most smartest most smartest uh for the annual pass program essentially it just gives you an unlimited ride 
ticket, depending on the program that you have, there's different tiers. Like the first tier has the most blackout dates that you can't go visit. And then as you go up, the blackout dates like slowly diminish. However, you're still paying, depending on what pass you have, parking, you're still paying to be into the parks, you're still getting food while you're there. So it's a huge portion of revenue. And the fact that they took it away, I think just really shows that this, times is bad. And then also just that Disney hopefully has something up their sleeve. I don't, no one could have predicted any of this. And I'm really interested to see how Disneyland is going to like bounce back from this. Last portion of our news update is just films that are being released this year. And uh, some of these I'm I'm not going to say I'm hugely excited for, I'm hesitantly excited for, or I'm just, you're on my radar. One of mm-hmm. them popped up, I didn't know what's happening, is Last Night in Soho. It's being released in April. It's by Edgar Wright, who did, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott Pilgrim, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, all of those amazing comedic mm-hmm. films. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see what like his version of a horror movie is. It's his story. He helped write the screenplay. And then the quick synopsis that I found was the film focuses on a young wannabe fashion designer girl. I find that so funny. A young wannabe fashion designer girl (laughs) who mysteriously (laughs) enters the 1960s to encounter her idol. That's all they gave us. But uh, it's Edgar Wright. I I know I'm going to enjoy some portions of it. He's a fantastic director. He's so fucking funny. No, he's, he's, he's great at blending comedy with I don't know, pretty much any genre of a film, I feel like. Mm-hmm. He's very <laughs> um, good at understanding genre and like how to play on its tropes and then play it up. He's it's so fun. I'm I mean, you kind of I'm I'm in already, just on alone. <laughs> so, uh, another one coming up is Spiral from the Book of Saw, which I'm kind of not I'm not I'm not excited, but I'm interested. Now well, I know you like the Saw series. You I like, like it a little bit some, more than I do. I like like the first three. Um, after that, it just went off the deep end for me. I still saw everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> still I still own everything. No, no pun intended. I still saw everything. Um, <laughs> but this is like a, I don't know if this is a prequel or if this is a spinoff. I believe um, it's in the same like universe. Everyone's okay, aware so of what's happened. So we're going like on a Marvel Universe type thing. (laughs) Everyone's trying to do some MCU stuff, I swear. But the most interesting thing about it is that Chris Rock is behind it. And Samuel Jackson? Yeah, he's in it as well. Chris Rock is in it. But like Chris Rock picked this up and like helped develop this movie. Would not have taken that as, like I wouldn't have suspected Chris Rock as like, the a horror, horror enthusiast, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't even know hey, if he's in any horror movies besides, well, besides this now. I'm going to have to look. I'm going to have to search his IMDb. But I, I, I understand that there's like, this IP has a lot that you can play with. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how it goes. The trailer dropped, I think, before last year when we were still expecting it last year and it got pushed to this year. It looks interesting. I'm still going to watch it. I'm, of course, I'm still going to watch it. <laughs> I just don't know what to expect out of it, I guess. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to go with it, but I'm interested. Because um, they've really, I feel like they've done all they could with these fucking like saw traps and these quote-unquote creative kills. Um, quote-unquote. Because not all of them are that creative. Some of them are just like gory and dumb um yeah just like the movies <laughs> but um yeah I'm, i mean 
I don't know. Well, I'm gonna have to wait and see what else, like what comes, like what comes of it. I want to see more trailers. I want to find out more what the storyline is before I fully commit. Same. Uh, next on the release dates, at least we skipped over a quiet place too. Even though I'm tentative about a quiet place too, I haven't heard anything since they took it off the calendar last year. And even then, when I found that it was supposed to be premiering in April, I didn't take it. I took it with a grain of salt. I was like, I don't think this is happening. Uh, but the next one coming up and is supposed to for sure come out because it's dropping on HBO Max is The Conjuring 3. The Devil Made Me Do It. It's dropping in June. I am hyped. I don't care what anyone says. So I, excited. I am I so excited. Love it. I'm I, so excited. I love The Conjuring movies. I love mm-hmm. uh, Lee Wanell and James Wan. Um, mm-hmm. They're two of my favorite writers, directors. I think they really get horror at least from my perspective they really mm-hmm. understand horror they really understand what makes something scary um they understand story they understand characters because these characters are so well thought out um and then the, i like that they take pieces of real like because so, some of these History. are uh, yeah these are based on actual events and actual stories are based on the Warrens, I believe. Was yeah, uh, the Warrens. This one in particular is going to be interesting because this one is going to be based off of, I believe, the first like trial of someone stating that they murdered because they were possessed. And the Correct. Warrens are brought in to help with if this is real. And of course, it's The Conjuring, so of course it's going to be real. I, I mm-hmm. don't know how to explain it past that, I guess, spoilers. But uh, I'm excited. I'd love Patrick Wilson. Um, oh my gosh, what is her name? With her wonderful callers. Uh, Vera Farmiga. Via Farmiga? Yes. Sure. Yes, Via Farmiga. I love her at Bates Motel. Hello. Yes. And, and uh, says, I love Bates Motel. Um, and then next up is The Forever Purge dropping on July 9th, 2021. Um, I don't, I don't know much about this. I have I knew there was another Purge movie coming out. There's not a trailer, is there? Not as far as I'm aware, but The Purge is also... The Purge... <laughs> There's always a horror franchise that tries to come out like every year or every two years once they develop like a pretty strong IP. And mm-hmm. uh, The Purge is one of them. As far as I'm aware, this is supposed to be, quote unquote, the last Purge because they're always supposed to be the last one. And this one is based off of essentially like people decide to no longer listen to the purge and just kill outside of the purge guidelines. So I'm like, so it's not the purge. It's just everyday life in America. (laughs) (laughs) That was dark. Um, I I like some of the purge series. Um, I know you don't like the first one. I like, I like the first one. I just like everybody else. It didn't go where it could have gone. And I understand they probably didn't have the biggest budget for the first movie. Um, but it definitely spawned some sequels that were great. Like I mm-hmm. love, love election year. Um, that's probably one of my favorites. Cause um, you just like the party in the USA part. Oh, it's so good. It's so good <laughs> with those crazy girls. Who, They're like, so good. What? It for me, it's very for for my for my liking, it's very aesthetically pleasing. It's got like it is. um anarchy with a touch of camp. I love that everybody dresses up and put on the puts on these costumes to kill other people that they apparently have grudges with it's great i mean i would never want to participate this in real life because i'm sure people would come after my ass <laughs> but i think it makes for a, for a fun movie but the purge which i just recently found out um so the essentially the writer director and the creator of the first three purges at least and is essentially like producer or helped write the rest of them his name is james demonico uh 
what I like about the Purge series is that it's coherent and you can tell because he was behind it. So everything just kind of flows. You could tell mm-hmm. in the first one that he had a bigger idea, but you're right. The budget just didn't fit. So watching them as they progress, they get bigger and bigger every time. But yes. my favorite thing that I just recently found out about him is his first produced screenplay. Okay, so this is the man who made The Purge. His first one was Robin Williams' comedy, Jack, in 1996. <laughs> <laughs> I love that stupid movie. I do, too. I do, too. It's so good. So, oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to call her Selena. J-Lo's in it, right? <laughs> uh, J-Lo, yes, J-Lo is in Jack. She plays the teacher. Sure, right? She does play the teacher. Miss Marquez. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I did not mean to call her Selena. But <laughs> the creator of The Purge created Jack. And I find that fucking hilarious. Wow. Total. Talk about like opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. The last follow-up, like the last remaining of the movies that we know that are coming up premiere between August and October and in my opinion are probably the most exciting ones that mm-hmm. I'm like hyped up for the end of 2021 is going to be so lit uh, we have Don't Breathe 2 which I'm interested to see how they're going to continue that story uh, it's going to be a continuation of The Blind Man and the first one and that's all I mm-hmm. know I know the director helped write it uh, Candyman which we're all hyped for holy crap don't stop no don't do do that (laughs) (laughs) i'm so hyped for Candyman. i really hope that we're going to be able to watch this in like a gathering i i I really hope that either one we get our shit together by then and we can watch it in the theater or two they hold off until we can watch in the theater because this this actually all of the the whole end of our list right now i want to watch in theaters because i feel like horror needs to be experienced in the movies well it doesn't need to be but it really adds to the experience Mm -hmm. of experiencing horror with an audience at full like maximum volume with a huge screen in your face Mm -hmm. because then you get you get to fully embrace what they're trying to give you and it really Mm -hmm. heightens the experience i fucking miss movie theaters god damn i miss movie theaters so much well, the last two that are supposed to release in October, I know there's a bunch more. We could talk forever about the movies that are supposed to be released, but the last two are Escape Room 2, mm-hmm. um, which I am actually pretty hyped for. I really enjoyed the first Escape Room. I thought it was so much fun. It was kind of filling that void of uh, the Saw franchise. I thought yeah. the sets were fucking cool. I thought the premise was fucking neat. I really didn't mind what it was giving me. It was just a fun time. So I'm excited to see what they do with this one. And then, of course, our last one is Halloween Kills, slated to come out October 15th. Uh, patent pending. We'll see. <laughs> patent pending. Patent pending. Patent pending. Um, patent pending. Super excited, though. Like, I can't believe they already dropped a teaser for it. Um, obviously, Which I and loved. I... It's just Jamie Lee Curtis yelling. I love when she yells. Oh, my God! Please insert the snippet of her screaming Michael from H2O right there. Um... But yes, super excited. You and I are huge Halloween nerds. It's my favorite uh, horror franchise. I This reboot was everything I needed and mm-hmm. I didn't know I needed. And yes, I'm excited to see this. Because like, it's a trilogy, right? There's there's this one and then one more. Thanks, rude plane. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. I'll cut it. Yeah, no, it is going to be technically a trilogy. It's Halloween, Halloween Kills, and then Halloween Ends. Which, yeah, I'm so. I know she's gonna die. I kind of want her to die. 
she needs she to die. She needs to die. Yeah. <laughs> she needs to die. Uh, what they had set up in the first one, I knew, I know it was kind of controversial within the fandom and just like what it was presenting and like what was going on. I know a lot of people didn't enjoy also like spoilers, uh, the twist at the end where the doctor ends up being like also a murderer and yeah. all that other, a lot of people weren't keen on that. However, I think what they had, what David Gordon Green, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. what he did was just make Michael scary again. There's one specific shot that, I had to turn to John, my partner, and just let them know. I'm like, holy fuck, he's scary. Is when she, she, she when um, Jamie Lee Curtis or Laurie, when Laurie's sh- shooting through the floor and then she sh- like shoots parts of his like fingers off. And there's this, this amazing shot that goes from uh, the floor and just pans all the way up to his head. And there's that sick John Carpenter oh. riff. The, that was his son actually on the guitar with the riff. Oh, oh, it's it was so, so good. Dead. Yeah. Oh my, my favorite soundtrack of 2018 was that soundtrack. But after that, I was like, holy shit, I'm legitimately scared of Michael. I haven't been scared of Michael shit in a long, long, since Halloween, since you saw Halloween, the original. Essentially. All righty, everyone. That was our Halloween horror update. We're hoping to do this every episode. Just give us a quick update on things that are going on. If there's stuff you guys want us to talk about, let us know. But we're going to be moving on to today's. movies i'm so excited today's first episode two movies so the way that this is going to work out is that we're going to talk about the first film discuss our thoughts our feelings towards these movies and then the remake we're also going to discuss and then give our ratings at the end and see if it was effective so these segments are going to be our revenge of the remakes And since it is Valentine's Day, it is only fitting that the first film that we talk about is My Bloody Valentine, 1981. In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. Looks like Harry Warden's back in town. It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dancer, it'll happen twice. So My Bloody Valentine was released in 1981. I love the um, taglines for these because I'm I'm a sucker for like holiday horror. And this is definitely one of I guess in the main top fives. Um, but the taglines are there's more there's more than one way to lose your heart. Hold on. You gotta you gotta do your movie voice. There has to be a movie voice if we're giving a this movie tagline. voice. Okay. <clears throat> Harry's out to steal your heart. Was that was that, <laughs> that was great? That was fucking okay. great. <laughs> this Valentine's Day romance is dead. It's so good. I think my favorite <laughs> one is still a uh, cross your heart and hope to die. It's yes. so good. I, the taglines in the 80s were some of my fucking favorite. Uh, it, I would have immediately been pulled in. The poster's also really fucking cool. It's mm-hmm. just uh, the heart classic. The title seems really solid. Uh, this one is directed by George Mah- 
Mihal. I'm sorry. I'm totally going to butcher your name. It's directed by George Mihalka. Mahalka. That's how I would pronounce it. Yeah. We're going to go with that. The story concept is by Stephen A. Miller, written by John Biard. Uh, nothing but a Canadian cast. Holy crap, this movie is so Canadian. <laughs> it's it, super Canadian. <laughs> it's it is so, so Canadian, Canadian that they even say sorry. I want to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. I need to go to that part. I am so excited to talk about that part. Uh, it is starring Paul Kelman as TJ, Laurie Halier as Sarah, Neil Affleck as Axel, Cynthia as Patty, and uh, John Franks as Chief Jake Newby and Keith Knight as Hollis, so on and so forth. The biggest things that I was super excited about was the special effects. They were done by Thomas R. Berman, who mainly known for my favorite, Invasion of the Body Snatchers in <laughs> 1978. Happy birthday to me in 81, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which we talked about in our first episode. The Goonies, he helped create and execute Sloth. The Goonies is one of my all-time favorites. your favorite. (laughs) I'm so excited. Scrooge and Wayne's World and the, people don't give it enough credit. I love this movie, but The Rage, Carrie 2 in 99. I love the Rage Carry too. And I can understand why people don't like it. And we can mm-hmm. we can spend a whole segment on this, but I'm just saying I love it. I think if it wasn't associated with Carrie, it probably would have done a lot better because it does have yeah. elements of Carrie, which I understand, and Sue's back, but it's one of my favorites. But we're not talking about huh, that movie. But real, real, real <laughs> quick, what what makeup did he do on Wayne's World? Like what special there was some special effects makeup? You. I don't okay. know, maybe just... Mike Myers' hair or something. Schwing. <laughs> okay anyways cool. moving on uh the reviews for this film are currently sitting at on imdb a 6.3 out of 10 metacritic is 46 out of 100 av club gave it a 67 rotten tomatoes a rotten to- tomato score of 54 percent with an audience score of 52 uh i think those are a little harsh for this movie i think you have to go into this movie knowing which it's called my bloody valentine for christ's sakes <laughs> like i don't know what to tell you on that i don't know i don't think people were quite grasping the concept of like you know uh, this kind of kitschy holiday horror at the time so it's mm-hmm. probably why it kind of tanked well thank you for helping me segue uh the production of this was Interesting. So it, the budget was approximately like 2.3 million. I believe once adjusted for inflation, I think we're talking about like 10 mil closely Jesus. around that, which st- still isn't really a lot for like a no. horror film, uh, especially in today's standards. Uh, at the box office, it made 5.7 million. So m- more than doubled its original budget, which is awesome. But the film was originally going to be called The Secret, uh, having to pertain to the plot line and everything else. But due to, like you said, the holiday horror that was becoming increasingly popular, like Black Christmas, Halloween, Friday the 13th, they were like, why not? We're going to change this to a Valentine's Day movie. Let's cash in on this. <laughs> but, you know, it works. It's not like they had like a story and we're just like, mm-hmm. oh, let's, you know, let's give it a cheesy, kitschy, campy theme so that we can mm-hmm. cash in on this holiday horror that's trendy right now it actually mm-hmm. really works with the storyline of the, the small town mm-hmm. and this hot valentine's day dance like it just in my opinion i was like oh like this really worked you didn't just slap valentine's day like hearts and signs everywhere and call it a valentine's day movie yeah it really b- lends into the aesthetic of valentine's day and that's my i think one of my favorite parts about this movie besides the fact that it is filmed in an actual uh 
mine and what adds to that claustrophobia but the town itself the town i believe is called valentine itself and i wrote down how big the population was because it was like are y'all for real right now yeah so the town is called valentine's bluff the little town with big heart elevation 200 (laughs) and population of 3375 that is ridiculously small yeah yeah Yeah. this is some kissing cousins towns type shit (laughs) (laughs) The filming took place in September of 1980. It was filmed in Nova Scotia at Princess Culinary Mine. Scotia, Nova Scotia. Scotia. Nova Scotia, thank you. Uh, At the Princess Culinary Mine, which had ceased operation for about five years up until then. And then filming ended in November of that year. So about a three month turnaround, which is not bad. No, Uh, the runtime of the movie is only, I believe it's like a solid 96 minutes. It's really Mm -hmm. quick. It's really fast. I love it. I think it gets to the point that it needs to get to. And the only other production stuff that I can find on this movie was that uh, they really did film in the mines. It was located 2,700 feet underground. And filming in the mines was like, of course, a long process. Imagine having to carry all your film equipment and everything for this production down into these fucking mines. No, ma'am. I mean, I feel like it was definitely a labor of love because only people Mm -hmm. who really wanted to be there would fucking walk all the way down 30 miles into this mine to film a movie and not only that they had to be very careful with the lighting rings and all that because Mm -hmm. of the methane levels in the mines so it's pretty crazy like this definitely was a crew of people who were passionate about what they were doing the only other thing that i could find was that the owners of the mine left it clean and colorful like a Disneyland set was what it was quoted what I found so the production team had to spend an additional $30,000 to paint it to make it look darker and scarier which I think worked out in the end because the scenes inside of the mine looked disgusting like I don't want to touch anything in those mines yeah and well I mean probably because they're actually in mines I was like but it looks like mines so (laughs) um I was completely sold on the whole illusion it looked great uh from a production standpoint um, but let's dive right into it. I have my notes open here. Uh, oh, so the only other thing that I do want to talk about, which is important to the movie, the MPAA was historically crushing down on this movie. Originally, it was a lot harder. There was a lot more violent kills. Oh, yeah. Even the goriness in the movie, I still think is still really solid. I think what they show uh-huh. is great. I happen to watch this on Amazon Prime, so I don't know what cut I got. But apparently there's still a cut of this like original movie somewhere out there that got sliced to pieces because of the MPAA, which is historically just assholes, if you ask me. Yeah, uh, I totally forgot about that. Um, I The version I have, I bought at Amoeba and it looks like it's the original like theatrical cut. So it's still those more gory scenes were cut, it looks like. Mm-hmm. But it's still very gory. Like mm-hmm. even that first opening kill, like there was, it was blood everywhere. Well, let's get into it. So the beginning of this movie starts with two people in mining gear going to this mine shaft. They're really setting up like the feel of this movie. The feel of this movie, I really love. It still has like that slight 1970s, like gritty, like grindhouse vibes to it, which I love. But when they're in there, one of them starts stripping. I loved 
A, her makeup. Her makeup was fucking fire. That like, <laughs> green makeup was lit. And when she pulls off her helmet and does the Charlie's Angels. <laughs> first, we, first, we had to get into the fact that we don't realize that it's a man and a woman because they're in full mining gear with the mask and everything. So when they start filling up on each other, they're still masking gear. And it's not until she finally pulls off her mask about two minutes in that you realize it's a woman. I fucking love it. I <laughs> I I love like this quote unquote reveal and the fact that she's getting off on him wearing this mask because then she starts stroking the hose. Oh, yeah. It's very sexual. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, we're already setting up yeah. where we're going with this. I, I literally, my note says, love the campy trying to be sexy sex scene. Because <laughs> like they were trying to be sexy. She like, was selling everything that she could. It was, in my opinion, it was a great first kill. It was a great opening. It was so solid. Uh, the build up to it and then like the pushback on it. I thought it really set up what you're going to be getting out of this movie because mm-hmm. she performs the strip tease and then he like pushes his axe into the wall and then all of a sudden he like shoves her head into the axe and that's the start of our movie. It's a hard yeah. cut title card. It, he like, he pulls out his big pickaxe and like acts like he's going to do something big and strong with it and boom, he puts it into the wall. She's like, <gasps> And then that's and then that's when he grabs her and he's just like and shoves her right into the pickaxe. And then yeah, it was a great, great first kill, great opening scene, and yeah, it does cut to a t- uh, an epic title card in my opinion. I love it, and it's like starts bleeding a little bit. I yeah. think the title card sequence is so cute. It's quick. My least favorites are when it's just like all like a uh, Helvetica white like lettering, <laughs> and it's just the card. It's like give me some papyrus, papyrus. <laughs> Uh, just give me a little bit of pizzazz. I loved it. I also really like the touch of her having a cute little heart that they clearly used Sharpie for on like a little heart neck. tattoo. It gave me Tiffany vibes from Bride of Chucky. Hardcore. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, from there, we meet our cast of characters. Uh, the main ones that we like really have to stick with are Axel, Sarah, and TJ. Everybody else mm-hmm. is pretty much you know, the body count. Just, they're there to, yeah, body count, supporting cast, I guess. They're there to die. Uh, what I do like about this movie in particular, uh, might as well fully get into that, is the relationships that they handle compared to the remake. In this one, I care more about, like, the trifecta pyramid that's going on between Axel, TJ, and Sarah. I mm-hmm. also think Sarah is kind of a badass, especially towards the end when shit starts hitting the fan. Yeah, I I'm, I think it kind of takes well. her a minute to get there. Mm-hmm. I feel like, but when she gets there, she's, yeah, she's kind of like a badass. She's super solid. So essentially the way that this works is that these group of, these group of 20 year olds, which is also very different for slashers at this time. Uh, yeah. All these all about slash- teens. Sexy teens doing sexy stuff that they shouldn't. And that's why they die. And, I can't really think of a slasher where it's mainly 20 year olds. The only one other one that I can think of is terror train with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. I can't think of any either. Um, Not only that, it's a completely different setting. Like rather Mm -hmm. than it being, you know, somewhere they could get like raunchy and slutty and, and have sex everywhere. They're set in like this small mining town and, and you know, what they do for fun is they go out and hang out in a bar and play what's and that play game? Shuffle the knife or whatever. game? Well, that oh and like, they were... <laughs> okay, I hold on. I forgot about them, that, about them playing that. So, okay, hold on. Continuing on, we meet our cast of characters. We find out that TJ left and then he came back. And because he left, Sarah, who was his ex is now dating Axel and there's feelings there. And that's like the main 
plot well, he, of what's happening. When he left, he went to the quote unquote West Coast to try and make it where he apparently failed and they don't ever dive more into it than that. They just say That's he it. failed on the West Coast. Like, what, what does that mean? Did he struggle as an actor or what? As it continues on, uh, the mayor of Valentine's Bluff, uh, Mayor Hanniger, I believe his name is, uh, he's mayor of this mining town. And unfortunately, that's been X amount of years, I want to say 10 years since these murders happened. I've, I don't remember. I, can't remember I know, I know it's 10 years in the remake. That's probably why you're saying 10 years. Whatever, I'm saying 10 years. Uh, but it's been, it's 12 days, before, two days, two days before Valentine's Day. And the sweetest fucking character in the whole movie who I was kind of sad to see die is trying to set up this new Valentine's Day dance. And the big hubbub is that this poor town suffered a tragedy. The last time they on had Valentine's this val- Day. On Valentine's Day. The last time they had this Valentine's Day dance, a bunch of miners got stuck in the cave and one of the miners w- ended up going... Berserk, Harry Warden, he's also known Mm -hmm. as like the minor essentially in the script. He gets trapped in there, he goes crazy and he becomes a cannibal. (laughs) Well, he eats the other miners in order to survive because he was trapped under there for so long, right? Is that? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, But it's also important to note that there, there was an explosion in the mine because there was two supervisors who were eager to leave for the dance and they didn't check the methane levels in the in the mines before they left and that's how there was a big explosion mm-hmm. so that's the reason why harry warden is so mad about the valentine's day dance and doesn't want it to happen ever again so this is my theory you can tell me what you want it's in my notes because it was the first thing i thought of so harry warden he goes crazy when he finally gets out of the cave he goes on a murder rampage of everyone who did him wrong the supervisors who didn't check it right and then just murders up this fucking place and he never wants to see a dance again and he goes missing nobody knows where harry's at this is footloose No one's allowed to dance. No one can be happy. If anybody starts dancing, there's going to be consequences. And instead of Kevin Bacon being like, yeah, everybody let's dance, people die. And I love it. (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel for him in honesty. Like if my ass got stuck in mine because y'all were dancing on Valentine's Day of all fucking holidays, yeah, I'd be pretty pissed too. I'm like, fuck you and fuck this dance. You guys have this dance again. I'm going to stab everybody. Well, so, so I feel for Harry Warden. So we, Harry Warden, we're all fearful of him, but only people who are really aware of it are the old townsfolk like the mayor. Mabel kind of doesn't know about this, even though Mabel is the sweet like laundromat owner, but she doesn't really know that this happened, even though she kind of seems like a person who's lived here her whole time. Because when the mayor is yeah. explaining it to her, she's like, what? A murder in my good Christian town? Seriously. <laughs> So um, yeah, I don't know. She's kind of aloof, I guess. Yeah, that's a perfect... Well, look at you getting high scores in your SATs. I try. So all of this happens. We're fearful of this, this going on. There's conflict between TJ, Axel, and Sarah. And then all of a sudden, the mayor gets this... Probably my favorite part, because they really lean into the holiday horror of the mm-hmm. movie. And the mayor gets this Valentine's Day chocolate box. No chocolate. And he <laughs> he opens it. Well, he opens the card. And this is probably my favorite part over the, the remake. In the original, yes. they have these cute little rhymes. And I wrote them down. Mm-hmm. The first one says, uh, from the heart comes a warning filled with bloody good cheer. Remember what happened as the 14th draws near. And he mm-hmm. opens it. And it's the cheesiest fucking heart I've ever seen. But I love it. I think it's... Th- 
it's genius. It's perfect way to use the holiday horror to your advantage. I absolutely love it. It's actually one of my notes uh, from watching the movies. It says, I love the rhyming V-Day cards he left with each body or not each body, but each heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my, it's, it, yeah. Like, as you said, it's like the cheesy, they're leaning into like the campy cheesiness of it, which I mm-hmm. love. So my question for you is, is that supposed to be the blonde lady at the beginning? Is that her heart? Uh, Whose heart is that? I, that's a good question. I would assume so because there hasn't been any other kills. So I would assume it's her heart. So she just randomly found this cannibalistic minor that she went, like that's where I got confused. I was like, whose heart is this? I think you're thinking about it too much, Jackie. This is a movie from 1981. You got me. You got me, Cal. <laughs> so as the film continues, we learn more about the relationship between Axel and TJ. They're at this bar. And I think my favorite part about the bar scene is like the crazy old man who owns the bar who's talking bar to nobody. <laughs> But talking to everybody at the same talking time. Talking to everybody, but nobody listens. And then nobody listens. And essentially what it breaks down to is that Sarah still has feelings for TJ. You know, hetero bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe that their relationship is far more interesting than in the remake. In the remake, I didn't really care about those characters. This 100% one I agree. Uh, I even read in my notes, I'm like, there's a clear storyline in comparison to the remake. I feel like the, we'll get to the remake, but the remake felt a little very muddled, I should say to me. Um, in the 1981 version, there was a clear storyline of mm-hmm. uh, who was, what happened, who was into who, why we can't mm-hmm. do this. Like it was very much a clear storyline. So we learn more about them. And then later that night, Mabel is murdered in her laundromat. So this one is adorable because Mabel gets another heart. It pops up again. It becomes a motif in the film. And once again, I think it's adorable. But I felt so bad because Mabel was so hyped to get this present. She was so, she was like, <laughs> oh my God, is this for me? She Somebody just wants- got me a valentine? <laughs> and her valentine says, roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead and so are you. Quick, I love it. It's cheesy. And then she gets... Uh, quick pixax like death off screen and then Mm -hmm. that's the end of her within this particular scene of this death what i like so much is that they they cut out a thousand hearts for this fucking movie (laughs) holy crap this movie is decked out head to toe and anywhere that they could put like red and pink hearts on it they did it Mm -hmm. i feel so sorry for the the set decorators because it was just wall to wall paper mache crepe papers doilies hearts anything you name it they got it it was valentine's day up the ass i love it it really blended into like this like small town like who blob like oh we're so excited to get like this thing ready it's mm-hmm. adorable but i want to know who the fuck is cutting out all these hearts <laughs> is, is it just mabel because mabel's got a lot of time on her hands she does i mean clearly she doesn't she didn't have a boyfriend. That's why she was excited to get the box of chocolate. Leave her alone. She was my favorite. Uh, we come back to the scene. The chief finds her and her head's in the dryer, which I, her whole body's in the Her dryer, whole body, right? yeah. Yeah, her whole body flails out of the dryer. And I think that's an excellent way to kill someone. So I think that's so genius. I think it's disgusting. I thought the special effects were fucking great. They were. And there was actually a lot come cut from the theatrical version um originally when he opened the so like in the theatrical cut he opens the the dryer and the body kind of flails out and she's all burnt to crisp and gross um in the like unrated version or whatever you want to call it 
the body opens it and the body keeps spinning <laughs> for like a hot second before she finally stops and then it makes the big reveal so uh just be mindful of whatever cut you're watching because it might be more gory than the other well i want more gore I, th- I think that's what i want out of this like cheesy 80s movie is like more of that gore and when we do get it it's it's a it's great it just like blends really well with this fucking killer pick pickaxe guy give it to me some more got a uh, the creativity i don't know after that we get some more scenes of the mines and i for me it just feels like they're just trying to set up more of the environment for the finale scene they're just trying to set the tone some more really giving that claustrophobic feel to it Mm -hmm. past that the chief and the mayor start discussing some more and i don't understand their reasoning as to like not telling everyone that harry's back like why would i guess they don't want to like cause a frenzy or whatever this isn't jaws (laughs) <laughs> a frenzy or they don't want people believing and like i don't know i don't know what the reasoning is but just like any other horror movie they don't tell anybody <laughs> uh after that we get like the pinnacle romance scene between tj and sarah and tj is essentially just like i love you i know you love me and i'm sorry for leaving and he gives my favorite fucking lines in the whole movie he's looking at her they're discussing their love for each other and he's trying to apologize but i had to stop the movie because i kept laughing because it's so fucking canadian his lines are i'm sorry i'm so damn sorry (laughs) (laughs) are you talking about when they're on the beach yeah yes the beach scene yeah yeah, i remember that it's so fucking canadian it's so Uh, fucking canadian it's very much, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so good. But I also think it's necessary to show like the rise and drama of like the finale that's coming. Yeah. The Valentine's Day dance got canceled because hello, people are fucking dying. So all of these sexy 20 year olds decide to party. Where else are we going to party guys? But The mine. Exactly. We have to go to the mines. And this is where everything comes to a head. People start dropping really fast and like quickly. Uh, Mm -hmm. That like young, horny, 20 year old something guy at the party. Everyone's eating hot dogs. (laughs) Do you like my fat, shiny hot dog? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you for bringing that up. Everybody's eating hot dogs. I don't know why, but not only that, they're eating boiled hot dogs. That is the fucking worst way to cook a hot dog is to fucking boil it in water and it's disgusting. And then you get the hot dog juice. Hot dog water. But segue that leads to probably my favorite kill in this movie. (laughs) I wrote this down too. Is the fucking hot dog water kill, bitch. Harry Warden shows up at at their little party, their little shindig. And um, obviously this guy, what, what was his name? You didn't, he didn't even have a name. Him? He was just oh, like okay. a young horny guy who was like trying nameless, to pick up some girl. Nameless horny guy uh, gets killed in the kitchen. He's trying to serve <laughs> himself up a hot dog. And Harry Warden just grabs him by the head and shoves his head in this boiling hot dog water, which has got to be one of the most fucked up way to die. Like Ruta I would Baga not want to die this way. Canada's Drag Race is gagging right now. <laughs> Fucking A. Yeah. It was, it's in all caps right now in my notes. Is he died by hot dog water? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty epic. And not only that, he gets his heart cut out and then the Oh my god, <laughs> I forgot in the hot dog water. So later on, after he kills him, the girls come in to serve the souls hot dogs because hot dogs are apparently the hype of this party. In high demand. <laughs> so they come to get hot dogs and she accidentally pulls out his boiled heart and she's like, Oh, what's this? And 
I mean, I understand your confusion because all boiled meats essentially look the same when they've been <laughs> boiled. So she doesn't know what it is. But yeah, I mean, really, you can't get any more campy or cheesy than a fucking hot dog water kill. I fucking love it. It's so good. And then he shoves them into the fridge and they don't know that he's there. Is <laughs> there my favorite yeah. shots is when they open the fridge. I'm going to grab some pickles for these boiled hot dogs. <laughs> Uh, then it continues and then the love triangle essentially comes to a head and TJ confronts Axel they almost fight and it gets super awkward Sarah doesn't know what to do there's a fight they break it up and they split and my the weirdest part for me in this whole fucking movie is that weird guy who keeps laughing and he tries to like break the tension in the room. So he snorts his soda and then just starts <gasps> oh laughing. My God. That guy, that character was way. I don't way, even remember his like, name. I don't remember his name either, but he was definitely, I, everybody knows that person. Everybody knows that person who just tries too hard, who wants to be the life of the party, who wants everybody to like him. So he was just doing the most. We then get, probably my favorite chase sequence in the movie uh it's we get these this couple who are making out in where the i'm assuming where the miners get ready and they have all of their mining oh, yeah. suits hung up and she thinks it's she's adorable she's like oh, what does this do and she like lets the suits down um mm-hmm. and it's just showcasing what this does and as it progresses she gets freaked out and then she gets chased and i love the effect of the costumes dropping and she keeps getting scared and trying to find her way and it becomes like this maze it gives me a halloween vibes of michael in the sheet yeah um i liked it don't get me wrong i really liked that scene i just is is that something is that real is that really what miners do do they really hang their clothes up like that like it just seemed a little weird i don't even like like to get dirty But I, mean, I, I appreciated it. But don't. <laughs> it was visually appealing. I'll give you that. It did make for a great scene. It just, I was like, this is weird. Why are there just clothes like dropping from the ceiling? I thought it was effective. I enjoyed it. And then she dies. And then that's when they find the, the heart in the hot dog water. And <laughs> it's so fucking gross. Uh, and then they finally find the body. And then that's when everything just comes to a head everyone realizes that people are dying it's harry he's back and they give a close-up of that guy's makeup and his warts are fucking disgusting oh yeah um that also leads to when they finally realize like oh it's harry warden he's back and he's killing everybody that leads to my favorite line of the entire movie which was uh delivered by axel i believe Uh uh and he says he says and i quote it's harry warden he's here everybody get the fuck out <laughs> like come on that first of all yes that is definitely the way you should be reacting if there's a fucking killer there everybody get the fuck out uh before everybody breaks out before everyone knew what was going on we have sarah patty patty's boyfriend because i really can't remember his name uh, and another couple go into the mines because it's a plot device <laughs> we I guess i we, don't remember why the I think they went down there to save their other friends. I don't remember. There was a reason why they went no, down there. They weren't scared yet. When they went down, they're like, let's just party. Mm. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, and they go down to the mine and they go on the train, which I thought looked like the Disneyland train cart. <laughs> yeah. so, super fun. And as they go down, that's when things start happening. Uh, everyone starts realizing everything's happening. And we were like, oh, fuck, we have to go get them. So everybody runs. They go to alert them. And then we finally get, like, the big chase scenes going down in the caves. So fun. The uh, 
the biggest parts from this scene that really stuck out once things starts getting shitty for the group down in the basement is that Patty's a piece of shit. I could not stand her character <laughs> when she finally found out that everybody was dying because she became so useless. I have it in my yeah. notes. Patty is useless. That, yeah. that's, that's it. Once her boyfriend died and she just wanted to sit there and like mourn over him and sit there and cry and pout. And I was like, girl, there's a killer on the loose. Your friend's trying to get you up. And I love that. Um, what's her face? Sarah? Is that her name? Yep. Uh, just slaps the shit out of her to get her was- to get up. <laughs> it was the best part it's like girl we're gonna die you gotta get your shit together because when they're down in there there's that couple that ends up getting killed because they go off to go make out horror movie rules number one never veer off to go make out and then they split up because why because why not split up (laughs) it's a horror movie don't ask questions it's a horror movie trope you just got to do it eventually they find that they have to get out but harry blocked the ways that they can get in and out of the mine and Mm -hmm. comes the sequence where they go up the ladder but it's stupid though because so they're going up the ladder and then harry ends up beating them and he went to the top instead Mm -hmm. and he throws whose body down he throws somebody's body down which distracts them and for some reason instead of keep like Going. Of going up they go back down well because patty's like i can't do it i would have left patty to die i would have like, left patty to die patty don't start like i would have been <laughs> done i would have been done with her i would have left your ass for dead um Is, but that sequence for me was i really liked it patty annoyed the shit out of me but when that the body drops and it's hung was i wasn't expecting it i was like oh shit yeah they, some of the kills in there surprised me Patty ends up getting it in the stomach because they take a quick turn. Harry's there. Bam. They continue running. And as they run, Axel gets lost in the kerfluffle. And they pass this, like, 50-foot hole, essentially. 50-foot hole? So oh, are you talking about the, the, the water where the guy yeah. like, falls in? And he's like, oh, it's 60 feet deep. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do we have a 60-foot deep well? That yeah, Axel, I remember. So Axel, spoiler everyone, Axel supposed to fall in this like giant 60 foot thing, which I didn't get. I'm like, so you're not going to try and see if he's like, okay, sure. Like he fell in and we assume that he drowned because of his helmet. And uh-huh. as they're going, they decide to go on the rail, the railroad thing, the train once more, take it back cart. up the mine cart. Thank you. Up back there. And it reminded me of Indiana Jones. <laughs> of them having oh, yeah. to, uh-huh. <laughs> having to traverse this train as Harry follows them and slashing at them. I thought the sequence was good. It kept me on my toes. I didn't know what was going to happen. And eventually they knock him off and they reveal it's Axel. Oh my God. What? Oh what? My God. I was actually a little gagged. I was like, wait, why is it Axel? And from there they go into a flashback about why it's Axel posing as um, Harry Warden. Um, Who and did long story short. Dying right who yeah i'm assuming he did end up dying um yeah he, he had died five years prior in the mental institution mm-hmm. um, or in prison out. or whatever um but axel the reason why axel is like i guess crazy now and he's killing everybody is because um harry warden actually killed his father who was one of the supervisors who left work early to go to the stupid valentine's day dance so mm-hmm. axel was actually there saw his father got killed by harry warden <sighs> that set off a whole whirlwind of emotions and psychological trauma that led to him growing up to be a psychopathic killer 
So I want to hold on to that. Remember that because that's something that I feel like both of these movies touch on and a lot of horror movies do talk about like, you're crazy. You're crazy. So you're killing people. <clears throat> and for some reason and this one, I feel like it works better because they don't really put too much emphasis on the mental illness. It's more of like, he's just crazy. So he killed people. While in mm-hmm. the remake, there's more given to the mental illness, but it's not a fuck it's not effective at all it's not effective Mm -mm. it doesn't it does not work uh but to finish out the movie the find out it's axel the cops finally make it to the end they chase axel out but unfortunately a rumble happens the cave caves in and axel gets stuck and they think that they finally have him when they go get to when they finally go grab him his arm is off because it got chopped in like the shuffle Because Sarah's dumbass makes her way to the rubble because she just has to see him. She has to see him. That she was has my note. To see him, and so she runs over. His arm sticking out. She goes to grab it. He reaches for her, scares her, and then he cuts his arm off to make the escape. And then <laughs> the final shot of this movie is through the rubble, and you can just make <sighs> out mm-hmm. um, Axel running away, laughing maniacally slash cackling. I don't know. It's not very scary. This <laughs> one's kind of weird and creepy um yeah i don't know it was weird it was a choice yeah it was not the serve for me uh so i need to profess that with this movie that i enjoyed it i thought it was so much fun yeah yeah so let's go to that what are your final thoughts on this movie like the film's edit it's axel at the end and how do you feel about it i enjoyed the original to the remake um, which I usually side with on all remakes I usually side with the original Um, the storyline was much more clear Um, the kills were much more creative in my opinion Um, I love the cheesy campiness of it I love the the tone of the movie overall I don't know because I just I prefer this one in in this one I feel like the relationships I care more about them there are a bunch of characters that I do not care about I don't I don't even remember their names. Patty, I only remember because she was fucking annoying. But the main... And Patty's boyfriend with the mustache. I'm kind of down. The main main trio of characters I cared more about, their their storylines were more developed, in my opinion. Um, You're right. We didn't know much about TJ, but you did understand that this was hard for him to have to go through. And I cared about him more than his counterpart in the remake. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sarah... I loved as a character. I thought she was a a solid final girl. It does take her a minute to get ramped up to where she needs to go. But I think that they give her a disservice at the end when all of a sudden she's like, I need to see Axel. (laughs) Right? Like, bitch, why? He was trying to kill you two seconds ago. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to her character. Granted, I get it. She's still in love with him. And that's probably like the ploy they were going for. But I preferred those, those characters. I preferred the aesthetic over the remake in this one just because in the original it has more of a hometown feel it understands that it's this like classic camp slasher i don't think Mm -hmm. it went in with the intention of camp but that's what it kind of comes off across (laughs) and then uh the aesthetic and the tone where i loved the way they decorated the town this town had way more like what is the word i'm looking for it had way more character, I guess, to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was cuter. I loved it. I really liked this one. Uh, I gave this one a 2.7 out of 5. It's not oh, exactly wow. a 3. Well, I'm t- I teetered. Well, what did you give it? I gave it like a 3.5 out of 5. Really? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I maybe because I was comparing it so harshly to the remake. Mm. Um, because you watched the remake first and then I watched the remake first and then I watched um the original. Mm -hmm. Um and I felt some type of way after watching the remake. And so when I came back to watch the original, I was like, oh, this makes much more sense. And maybe that's why I liked the original more is because it it definitely had much more of a clear storyline. Yeah, yes, it did. It had a far more clear concept. Um, it also had cannibalism in this one. The remake doesn't do anything with cannibalism and I'm yeah. for it because the shot of uh, Warden in the cave when he goes crazy and that scream is fucking creepy. <laughs> it was very reminiscent of George Romero. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, now that we talk about it, I think I'll give it a 3.5 out of a three <laughs> three three out of five i'm gonna give it a three out of five and that is That's my fair. final verdict uh next up i feel like we're gonna get through a lot easier because it's the same exact fucking story except like two tweaks uh, yeah we don't is, really have to give a whole synopsis nope my bloody valentine 3d released in 2009 most horrific event this town has ever seen. Authorities are calling this the Valentine's Day Massacre. In the town of Harmony, something unexplainable Hello? is happening. Come here, you better check this out. What is it? Uh, when did this come out for you? Where were you when this came out? 2009 I was I was out of high school already I was uh doing community college at the time and working did you see this um, in theaters I did not I didn't see this I rented it um yeah I rented this movie because and I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't have seen it if it were not gonna be a featured house at Halloween Horror Nights um, oh, but that's that year right. Yeah, so that was the only reason why I watched it is because I'm a huge Halloween Horror Nights nerd and I like to, before each event, I like to make sure I watch any films or TV shows that are going to be referenced at the event. Mm-hmm. And so that year um, was going to be in my Bloody Valentine house. It was based on the remake and I hadn't seen yet, hadn't seen it yet. So I went and rented it and we watched it with my friends in my house and I thought I had liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I Maybe I just have fond memories of it because I liked the house so much. I remember the house being really fun. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I watched it at home. I rented it probably from like Blockbuster or something. Um, so I did not watch it in theaters. This one I didn't see in theaters either, but I this came out sophomore year. So I remember somebody rented it and we all watched it at someone's house. I Same. I remember liking it more back then than I did now. Just to get it out of the way, this was released on January 16th, 2009. It's got a runtime of 101 minutes. So it's technically like 15 minutes longer than the original. And I think it's highly unnecessary. There's mm-hmm. some like plot points that I feel like could be cut. The taglines are uh, on January 16th, get your heart broken, or nothing says date movie, like a 3D ride to hell. No. It, it totally played on the 3D. Uh, it was directed yeah. by Patrick Lucier, written by Todd Farmer, Zane Smith, based off of the original screenplay. Uh, this one has a starring cast that I know a little bit more. Uh, Jensen Ackles, who, Supernatural, everyone knows him from that. And literally every time he was on screen, his whole outfits look like he was in an episode of Supernatural. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I've never seen Supernatural, but all I kept telling the original is like, what's with this jacket? And he was like, that's what he wears in Supernatural. I was like, why the fuck would they do that? I don't understand. Uh, Jamie King as Sarah Palmer. I know Jamie King from uh, mainly Sin City, 
Heart of Dixie and then like a few other things. I like her. I did not like her in this movie. <laughs> but I like her. Uh, and Kara Smith as Axel, who we know from the Final Destination series. Uh, Carter, yes. you sick. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I saw when I saw him. I was like, oh, Final Destination. And Tom Atkins uh, plays as the old sheriff. Yes. I love Tom Atkins. Yay! Tom Atkins from season, uh, season of the Witch. I was so happy to see him. I wasn't expecting him. Yeah, he plays the great cop. He does play a great... He has that cop face. Yeah. And then special effects makeup was by Gary J. Tencliffe. I'm mainly known for the Hellraiser series. All the Hellraisers that I've never watched. I wouldn't be mad about knowing being known for Hellraiser because that's amazing makeup. It is amazing makeup. He also wrote and directed uh, Hellraiser Judgment. So the reviews for this one are technically lower in some parts than the original. On IMDb, 5.4 out of 10. Metacritic is a 51 out of 100. AV Club is 58 with a Rotten Tomatoes tomato score of 61%. And in one of those weird spots where the audience score is lower at 44%. (laughs) uh, The box office came in at 100.7 million against a budget of 14 million. So it more than tripled its original budget. And Mm -hmm. then (laughs) I had to put in, because I found it funny, it was up against (laughs) Gran Torino and Paul Blart Mall Cop. It opened at number three. Uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop. What a time. And the biggest claim to fame for this one is that it was entirely digitally shot in 4K resolution. And it was possibly the worst thing they could have done to this movie because I hate the way it looks because of the 4K Ultra uh, cameras. Uh, Um... I don't necessarily hate the way it looks. I so let's preface with this with saying that it was a gimmicky. Like obviously, My Bloody Valentine is already a gimmicky movie. It's a holiday mm-hmm. horror movie. It's very sticky. It's very niche. Um, but on top of that, the sell for this movie was making it 3D. So mm-hmm. anytime a movie is advertised as 3D, there's going to be certain shots in there that are dedicated to being 3D. Like like. Uh, pointing at the, the camera whole, yeah it's not the whole movie like i was a little i was a yeah i was a little worried that the whole movie was going to be dedicated to 3d shots i thought it was going to be like there's the 3d shot here's something else coming at the camera and this is coming at the camera um surprisingly enough they're hidden pretty well there are a few shots that are very much like oh this was meant to be seen in 3d oh yeah uh, there was i was trying to keep a count of how many times they like pointed something at the screen or threw something at the screen bitch i lost count after 17 yeah um it's not horrible um i do like to note that me and you both own this movie with the 3d glasses and i tried to watch this in 3d <laughs> it did not work out i can't we I, well we both wear glasses so watching anything in 3d is already hard enough it uh-huh. gives me a headache most of the time um so we tried watching this in 3d we only made it like 10 minutes in with like, the first <laughs> um mayan explosion it looks really cool especially the opening yeah. credits looked really cool the opening credits um, were sick they remind me yeah. of like harry potter all right, well, let's just jump into it then. Um, so the opening credits, it kind of gives you like a backstory on the original mm-hmm. movie. So that way you can just jump right in. So it's like news clippings and video clips mm-hmm. and just talking about the explosion and Harry it's Warden. A, it's essentially the same thing. So what I give credit to this movie is that it is essentially the same movie. It is the same movie, Harry Warden. There's a mine. There's still a love triangle. But what it does with this movie is that it tweaks it slightly. So now TJ, who is now Tom, Jensen Ackles, is 
he's still someone who left, but not by on it by on his own accord. He caused the explosion in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And everyone in this fucking town hates him, which works in some parts and doesn't work in some parts. Um, what I also liked about the story is that there's is a murder that originally happens, but all the teenagers involved, we come back 10 years later to be still involved, which I thought was a really good aspect. And they kind of dealt with like survivor's guilt and this PTSD type thing, but they just don't do it well. They don't do it well at all. (laughs) I don't know. This just, it wasn't, this wasn't my favorite iteration of, of this movie at all. Mm -mm. Um, It was very, it it had a a soft feel to it. It was very overexposed. Well, it's Lionsgate. It's Lionsgate, yeah. and so it's gonna have that vibe to it. And, and this came out in 2009 when it was nothing but remakes at the time. Mm-hmm. It was a huge like renaissance, if you want to call it, of just like remake after remake after remake after remake. It was nothing but remakes, and Wait, some of them are good. Which is part of the reason why we're doing this. I think it's fun to compare because sometimes remakes happen because people think like we can do stuff with this. And in my opinion, sometimes it works. And a lot of times it doesn't. One of my favorite remakes, technically it's my favorite in the franchise. So I may get flack for it, but it's Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th remake is my favorite Friday movie because it is essentially just the best parts of Friday the 13th shoved into a movie and it's mm-hmm. great fuck that 20 minute opening sequence is the best Friday the 13th movie that never was it's it's, it's so really solid so it could be done and in this instance they knew they had a good material because the plot points essentially follow the same thing there's a murder we experience it but this time, Tom was the one that caused the accident, which is why Harry Warden is scary. He goes missing. The cops go after him. And there's still a love triangle because he left. But in this iteration, we do a time jump of 10 years. And mm-hmm. Sarah and Axel are married. Axel is now the chief. But the they biggest kid, they have a kid. Um, everyone's trying to move on. And there's not a really big hublob about like a Valentine's Day dance. It's just that the anniversary is coming up and everyone's scared yeah. about it. Um, so talking about the, the cup, the main coupling, I didn't give a fuck about the relationship, even though they tried to to add more to it. Mm -hmm. They really didn't spend enough time setting up these characters to be Mm -hmm. likable or sympathetic. So -hmm. therefore you didn't really care about them. Um, for me, the storyline got kind of lost. I don't know if it's because I was too high or what. I I really didn't know what was going on for the most part. I just knew that he'd come back to town. Mm-hmm. Um, he's coming back to sell the mine now. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to sell it because he doesn't care. He says that the mine is quote unquote outdated and the town doesn't understand what that means. And from my understanding, I think he just means it's an outdated source of like income? renewable energy. Yeah, renewable yeah. energy and income. Like it's something that's not environmentally friendly so that's what i gathered from it by it be not being quote unquote um outdated um because it was 2009 so it was, mm-hmm. it's not that long ago right how long, how long ago was 2009 11 years 10 11 years. years ago yeah 11 sure. years ago isn't that scary uh it yeah i things weren't really well developed it was just one of those things where like we're doing it to I don't want to say be shocking because it wasn't shocking with the relationship. Axel is a dick. I could not stand Axel as a character in this movie because in this movie, he's a horrible cop. He has that like 
interview at the beginning of the movie about like the anniversary and he cusses and he doesn't seem likable. So I don't care about him. And then you find out mm. that he's cheating on Sarah with her coworker, by the way. What a fucking bitch. And they're fucking in the grossest shack abandoned mm-hmm. like mattress on the floor rats scuttering by on your feet as you're getting plowed type place like, definitely that <laughs> no ma'am um axel's fucking this woman and she ends up being pregnant and she's super gung-ho about it and axel's like uh-huh fuck looks like he's about to shove her down a flight of stairs <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. it just they don't handle it well they don't handle oh. like all of this like relationship stuff well because Jamie King's character is just essentially reacting to everything happening around her. Like when <laughs> yeah. uh, Tom comes back at the grocery store, by the way, she he works as, I have to bring this up because it bugged the shit out of me. So he works as sheriff. He's the sheriff, right? Uh-huh. Axel, Axel's the sheriff. Sarah works at the grocery store and yet they have a maid and not just any maid, like a Mexican maid. What small white town and I hate that she was the only other person of color in this movie. She was, huh? Mm-hmm. The only other person of color was, I'm guessing, like another deputy or another sheriff. And he was he was black, which is awesome, but he also didn't have anything to do. He was just reacting to things happening around him. Too. He was just a side character. He was just a side character. I agree. I don't know. There was, it was just like a lot of potholes. There was a lot of things that they could have improved on that they didn't. Another thing that bothered me was that it had a really weak opening scene, in my opinion. Most of these remakes, if not all oh of these God. remakes, had ground, not groundbreaking, but like great opening scenes. Like you just you mentioned the Friday to. the 13th opening, which was mm-hmm. great. Texas Chainsaw Massacre re- re- remake had great opening scenes. Um, all these yep. great remakes had great opening scenes. And this one was just, it was getting there. And, and then, then all it cut. Sudden, yeah, all of a sudden we had a title card and I was like, wait, wait, wait she doesn't die we don't get a major kill well everybody in this fucking movie is stupid everyone is so stupid like that nurse in the beginning sequence when she goes in she's like oh let me fix this iv thing oh okay you're not in bed i didn't realize when i walked in and then she just like stands in the middle of the room and then she dies and we don't get to see it it just cuts title card it just it (sighs) this movie just kept it kept wanting to go there but it doesn't it never and never got there it didn't leave it, the station bitch it, it it did not leave the station that's the perfect way it was set it had the stuff because it really wanted to be a grindhouse exploitation film you could feel that it wanted to do that especially mm-hmm. the naked scene holy oh, crap the naked scene God. we have to talk about the naked scene so the naked scene that went on for like seven minutes but oh no her name is betsy rue her character name is irene because irene was dating Ax. Axel and the flashback and now they're no longer together and it, she was fucking some random guy who I he's kind of hot I don't blame oh, her yeah 100% oh he was big and beefy so and he was recording and she doesn't like that so she goes tries to shoot him and then we get this sequence of uh warden coming back and he pickaxes the guy in the head and then we get that horrible CGI blood I hate CGI blood give me mm-hmm. real blood I get you're trying to do 3D but don't give me CGI blood so the tea on this whole naked scene is that hot trucker is actually the, I can't remember if he was the writer or the director of the remake, My Bloody Valentine. So, no way. 
yes and so he wrote in he wrote himself in this sex scene to be done with her because apparently he had a big like hard on for her and that i feel like gross exactly and that i feel like is part of the reason why this like naked scene went on for so long not only that she was completely completely naked and she was running with her her vag out her tits Mm -hmm. out like everything and this scene was on for like a solid seven minutes and it's just like gazing on her like it sticks on her for such a long time it's very reminiscent of the room where he wrote himself into the movie with the sex scene with the girl that he liked. Yeah. yeah. So, it's gross. I don't know. That, I, that's probably why I don't like it. It just feels gross. It doesn't feel like there's a purpose to well, her that's being why, naked. Because he was being pervy about it. It didn't he do anything for the film. It was purely for his enjoyment. Some like sexual predator shit. And that's kind of gross. Yeah. Uh, that scene goes on. And there's also a little person. I don't know if I'm using the terminology per- correctly, but I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the uh, the the motel, the owner manager. of the ho- yeah, the motel manager. I liked her character because they did not fuss on her height size. I was really worried they were going to make an inappropriate joke about her height. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. waiting for it. It's early two thousands. Her death, I thought, was fun. He just claws her straight through the jaw and like starts like hits the ceiling and everything goes haywire. She is one of my favorite characters of the movie because she's just so campy and like all she cares about. She is her, knew her what dog. movie she was in. I think that's yeah. my problem with this movie is My Bloody Valentine, the original, knew what it, it knew it wasn't anything serious. While this one, even with the title of My Bloody Valentine 3D, everybody takes it so seriously and it mm-hmm. should not be taken seriously. She's the only one that knows what's going on great i loved her i loved her and her little i think it was a dog she had right the little french bulldog yes it was so cute so cute i love the way she talks to him the thing that really bugged me about the whole movie so i'm just gonna jump to the end tom ends up being the killer and those are my least favorite types of movies with the way that they set this up because it's set up to believe everything we're shot that we see with tom is in his head, essentially. Anytime he sees Warden come after people, it's in his head and he's the one doing it. It was my least favorite because I feel like it's cheating. I feel Mm -hmm. like you just like lie to your audience and you're like, oh no, it wasn't him. So you don't think about him as being the killer. And they try to set up this like pushback between Sarah's character of like, could it be Axel because he's cheating and he's lying and he has all these hearts in his house? Or is it uh, Tom because he's crazy? And the biggest thing with Tom and the reveal at him at the end is that it's lazy because it's pretty much copying the first one, but it's lazier to me because they try to heighten it. Oh, he was in a mental institution for seven years. Like that's where he was. And he's taking pills. That's it. We don't know what pills they are. He's dry heaving these pills. We don't know what they're for. And all of a sudden he's just crazy to be crazy. And they just like try to like amp it up by saying he's like mentally ill, but not following through. And it's just, it's irresponsible and it's stupid. It's just, yeah. it doesn't. It was definitely a movie of its time. I feel like it was just made to be part of the remake reboot craze Cannon. that was going on. I mean, it they just tried to make back. it. They tried to make it more edgy and gory and, and give it a shtick, which is why it's in 3d. Because they also, um, they do a lot of harken backs to the original. So they do the hearts, Valentine things, but it doesn't work as much. It's just kind of like, no. look, we're referencing the original. There's no like cool riddles that go with it, which were some nope. of my favorite parts. Um, all these cops are stupid. They don't know what they're doing. Like when Axel just like explodes. Oh my God. I have, I had to write it down. I had to write it down. Cause it's my favorite fucking line. And it's so stupid. It's when 
Axel randomly shows up at the hospital when Tom is attacked the first time. And then all of a sudden Sarah's there too, because she's like donating Valentine's for whatever reason. Oh yeah. She to be at the hospital. <laughs> and then they, she's like, what's happening to you? And all of a sudden Axel pops up and Axel goes from zero to 100 real fucking fast. Cause I think he's doing Coke while fucking other people <laughs> on behind Sarah's back. But I had uh-huh. to write it down because his delivery is so fucking ridiculous. He, his line is, uh, because they're talking about Sarah and uh, Tom's like, do you even know Sarah? And Axel's like, you mean my wife, Sarah, who lives in my house, mother to my son, who I share a bed with and I have sex with, (laughs) right, Sarah? It's just like, (laughs) what is happening? It is so ridiculous. You mean who I fuck? We fuck. It's so stupid. That reminds me of like the the scene where they're in the hospital and it's just Sarah and TJ or I forget who. And then all of a sudden Axel pops up from behind the curtain and starts asking questions like, where the fuck was he? None of it made sense. That's what, those plot holes are just ridiculous. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't have enough fun if it's going to have all these plot holes. Because yeah, they also it, do the laundry gag, but the maid's head is in there. Cool. Thanks for killing the only other person it was, of color. It was a reference. They threw it in there for the fans, I feel like. But it's just, it's not enough of a service for me. Uh, when the ending comes and it's revealed that it's Tom, I don't think it's effective enough where I'm like, oh my God. It's just kind of yeah. done for like shock value. And mm-hmm. they, do, I can't remember, do they end up killing Tom? No, because of course he doesn't. So there's a big kerfluffle and the finale like fight isn't as exciting or enticing as the original. It's just, they fight, they argue. Jamie King has a gun to their heads and it's like, I don't know who I love. And then Tom reveals that he knows that What's Your Face is dead. Mm -hmm. It was very reminiscent of of Scream with- Mm -hmm. um, With Sydney and uh, her boyfriend at the end. And she's just like, screw you both. Mm -hmm. And closes the door. Mm -hmm. It's just, it didn't handle it well. I thought the color palette was super early 2000s. Those blues. Mm grungy it just didn't take the it tried to take the material and amp it up for modern times but it didn't follow through so therefore it just like it didn't really please anyone it promised a lot and i in my opinion it didn't deliver so if you have to rate it what are you rating this one if i have to rate this one i would rate it and i'm being generous here i would rate it a two out of five (laughs) That's being generous. Um, you know what? I'm going to agree. That's exactly what I wrote. It was like a two out of five. It honestly was teeter-tottering between like a 1.75 out of yeah. five. I, just, I didn't, it wasn't fun. The original was fun. And this one just yeah. took itself too seriously. It tried adding like drama that just didn't work. No, it didn't work at all. They they thought by throwing at the time what was a hot actor, what's his face from Supernatural, they thought by like throwing him in there and making references to the original that they could get away with it. And and obviously like it sort of paid off because at the time they made their money back. They um, they did. And it but was by so today's and but by just today's standards and by my and our very high opinions, it just it was not the tea for me. I did not enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the original. It was too muddled. The story was too muddled. I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. No, it tried to make it complicated, but it didn't follow through. Yeah, it, yeah. it was not. It wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for me either. But I really can't say anything because I own it. I have it on Blu-ray. So, so I own both <laughs> of them. <laughs> I mean, I but that's us. We like to own bad movies. 
I love to own bad movies. Those are my absolute favorites. A perfect segue. So that was the end of our Revenge of the Remakes. I know we kind of rattled on a little bit in for the original, but they followed the same plot beats essentially just not as well handled uh but i'm glad that the remake won out of the remake lost out of that one i would really wasn't <laughs> expecting it to win um i'm excited to do another remake uh i've talked to you about which ones i want to do and the, we'll solidify those and we'll talk about those later yes but uh for housekeeping stuff you can follow us on the carpenter queers uh podcast on spotify google podcasts uh, apple podcasts anywhere where you're getting your pods please like comment and subscribe we would love to hear from you guys what you guys want to see what you like to hear all that wonderful good stuff uh the revenge of the remakes is something we're wanting to go back to i know it's some a segment that we really both uh, are gonna have fun with uh but yes. next episode we're finally going to be doing a carpenter film and it's probably one of his most well known but not for good reasons no is uh, well we'll get into it but it was controversial to say the least <laughs> uh, our next episode is going to be on the failure of carpenter's uh list i am excited to watch it it was the first time for me but we're going to be watching the ghost of mars yay, yay my I favorite see. personally so if i'm if you guys haven't seen it, please watch it beforehand because there will be spoilers. But Absolutely. I'm really excited because this is, I know it's one of his like most hated films, but it's one of my favorites. So I'm excited I, to talk about it. I'm very excited to break that one down. If anything for the music, anyone listening at home, please watch it. Download the soundtrack. Trust me, you're going to fucking love it. It's <laughs> so sick. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Carpenter Queens. You can follow us on Instagram at The Carpenter Queens as well. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Nick. And I'm Raven, and we will see you guys next time. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye.